You're listening to the St. John's Diamond Creek Podcast. This episode presented by Del Matthews. Hi, I'm Kylie. I'm the Children's and Families Minister at St. John's. Today's reading comes from Galatians chapter 5, verses 1 to 12. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Mark my words. I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law. You who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit we eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcised or uncircumcised has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. You were running a good race. Who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? That kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. A little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. I am confident in the Lord that you will take no other view. The one who is throwing you into confusion, whoever that may be, will have to pay the penalty. Brothers and sisters, if I am still preaching circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offence of the cross has been abolished. As for those agitators, I wish they would go the whole way and emasculate themselves. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Kylie. Well, as Tim said, my name is Dell. I'm a regular member of this congregation. It's great to be with you this morning, both in person here in, um, in the building and also online. It's great to worship with you. Well, a few weeks ago when we were worshipping together, Tim very helpfully explained the concept of what it means to be in Christ. He said it was like being in a plane on the way to Perth. The the plane is flying to Perth, the the plane will get to Perth, and by virtue of the fact that we're sitting in the plane, we will also get to Perth. Now, just imagine if you're in that plane on the way to Perth, and one of the passengers thinks, oh no, it's not good enough, I need to be helping out, making sure that we actually do get to Perth. I need to be doing my bit as well. Well, you know, if if the plane was a small plane, maybe a Cessna or something, you could safely open the window and stick your hand out and flap and, and, and try and get there, try and help the plane, but that wouldn't really help a Cessna. But, of course, if it's a bigger plane, like a 747 or something, something larger, the only way to help out might be to open one of those exit doors, climb out on the wing, try and hang on and, and flap at the same time. Now... Can you imagine the pandemonium in the plane? What would we all be doing? We'd all be on our feet shouting, sit down, don't do it, don't touch the door. He'd probably, person would probably even be tackled down. And it's that same sense of desperation that we would have in the plane that we hear in this passage today. Paul has been building up to this over four chapters and we finally get to this and Paul's almost shouting at the Galatians. 
We know that sitting in a plane and trying to open the door and get hop out on the plane is a futile exercise, a futile way to try and help us get to Perth. And, we, and it's not only futile, but it has devastating consequences. And Paul is wanting to get across to the Galatians in this passage that their attempts at trying to add to Christ by doing certain acts is futile and devastating. So let's recap the whole story. So Paul is writing to the Galatian church and they've been told by a group of Jewish Christians that they need to perform certain Jewish practices from the Jewish law in order to be Christians, to be real Christians. They needed to be religious. Now, the Galatians were not Jewish by birth, um, so they were not used to some of these practices. They'd have to start adopting them. They hadn't yet been through the, the same rituals that the Jews had been through. And while there was still a chance that the Galatians would not give in, Paul is absolutely frantic to help them understand the consequences. We can almost hear him shouting, don't do it, stand firm. He knew this was a serious problem and would be like stepping out onto the plane's wing mid-flight. Now, it's obviously a lie to think that we can help the plane out and it's a real lie to think that we can be in Christ and still need to do good things or certain practice, religious practices in order to win favour with God and to earn our freedom. Now, from our vantage point, it seems like there's an obvious answer. Of course, the Galatians shouldn't give in to the Jewish Christians. They can't help. It's crazy to even think about it. But we too have a propensity to give in to wanting to do good things to earn our favour with God. Let me illustrate. As a young woman, I lived for some time in a dormitory situation while I was studying. And I remember one night I was having a chat with a Christian friend in the kitchen and we were talking about prayer. It's a good topic to talk about. We were talking about how we pray and what we pray about. And when I was explaining that I also like to, to bring to God in prayer how I'm feeling, you know, if I'm feeling angry or happy or depressed or whatever, my friend got rather alarmed. And eventually he said, Del, I don't think you're a Christian. Well, that stunned me, of course. Um, but you see, my friend had certain expectations of what it was like to be a Christian and how a Christian should pray. And if I wasn't meeting those expectations, then I couldn't be a Christian. That's what it means to have certain religious expectations to, that would, we convince ourselves that we need those in order to be acceptable to God. Paul says that we've been set free for freedom. So exactly what have we been set free from? Well, the Galatians had been set free from sin and they'd been set free from having to obey the Jewish law, the Jewish rules. And it's the same for us. This passage particularly focuses on having been set free from the law. So we'll focus on that today. It's a lie to think that certain practices can earn our right, a right standing before God and can earn our salvation. For, for the Galatians, the best way to understand this was to contrast freedom with slavery. Slaves were all around them. They knew what it was like to be a slave. Slaves are not free. They have their movements restricted. Um, their activities are ordered by somebody else. Now, slavery is not such a good illustration for us because we don't see it around us. So I thought perhaps the 
contrast between lockdown and freedom might be a better illustration for us. When we were under lockdown, we had our movements restricted and our behaviours were ordered by somebody else. We were, even now we're told we have to wear masks. Now, if you're living in Sydney right now, being in lockdown and following what you need to do makes perfect sense. It has value because they need to bring their cases down. But if our government were in Victoria were to order us back under lockdown, there'd be absolutely no value. Well, there'd be some, I suppose, but not the same. Particularly if Australia had no pandemic, there'd be no value in putting us, putting us under lockdown. And this is Paul's point. He's saying before Christ to be under the Jewish law had, had some value. But after Christ, when Christ had won freedom from sin and from the law, there was absolutely no value in being putting yourself back under that law again. Paul is urging the Galatians to remain in the freedom that Christ has won for them, not locking themselves into obeying the law. Now, we're not immune to the temptation to rely on our own religious practices and certain Christian standards as necessary to be acceptable to God. We need to take much more seriously um, that we, many of us do rely on what we do, our own achievements, to please God. And Paul is desperate that we too live in the freedom that Christ has won for us and that we don't make the reckless step of trying to add to what Christ has done. If we do, it's the same as saying that death... At, Christ's death and resurrection was not sufficient for our salvation. We devalue what Christ has done for us. Our freedom is a matter of a gift. It's grace. It's a gift from God. It's not dependent on our own personal achievements. So you can't add to grace. As soon as you do, as soon as you add to a gift or want to do something in response to a gift, it becomes a purchase. So if we try to repay a gift with another gift or payment, uh, or if we try to do something to, for a gift, then the, it devalues the original item. It devalues it as a gift. It becomes a purchase. And Paul reminds us that the only thing that really counts, the only thing that has value, is faith in Christ and what he has done for us. So how do we stand firm against religiosity or relying on our own actions. To me, the language of standing firm suggests that it's going to take some discipline, we're going to be tempted and we, it needs some resilience to not give in and rely on our own actions, but rather rely on Christ. But it is possible. Paul wouldn't have said stand firm if it wasn't possible at all. Now, I, I'm just going to draw out a few hints of what Paul has said um, in this passage that I think helps us in standing firm in what Christ has done for us. Firstly, I think we need to know how our adversary works. In Galatia, the person um, who was preaching that the Galatians had to go back under the Jewish law had come from within the church and was preaching a message that sounded familiar and plausible, yet it was wrong. It was based on old beliefs. They didn't try to replace faith in Christ. They tried to add to it with practices from the Jews. 
um, things that had been done by the Jews for generations. It can sometimes be hard to give up old practices, can't it? New ideas and, and false um, religious beliefs don't usually come from outside the church. They come from within, and our adversary knows how to get at us. For a Jew, um, being, keeping the law meant it marked them out as the people of God. It gave them a strong sense of belonging. Our desire to be accepted, to be belong, to, to um, be like others is incredibly strong. And it can work in two ways to derail us. A persuasive, charismatic personality preaching or, or giving us a message can easily draw us in, uh, particularly when a leader is surrounded by others who also believe that same message. Now, these days, in the age of fake news and deep fake, we know that it's so easy to, have, to create a very convincing message um, that is very hard to spot is fake. Uh, in fact, the creators of fake news and deep fake know how to manipulate the computer in such a way that it's, it's tapping into our brains in a way that we find it difficult to know what's true and what's not true. If that can be done on a computer, how much more our adversary, um, Satan, is likely to use tactics that confuse us and convince us quite easily. Our desire to belong to the group can blind us to some of these dangers. Some con subconsciously, we can easily believe that a teaching is right just because others do. How much more worse when it's a friend that tells us a message? It's not necessarily preached from, the, from up the front. A friend tells us, if a friend tells us, we already trust our friends. We already know they're credible. And when they tell us something, it's harder, it's easier to believe and it's harder to refute. I understand that the rumours of Daniel and around Daniel Andrews' recent accident and illness um, actually spread word by word, word, from word of mouth, from one friend to another friend. And people who said they believed it said, well, the source I heard was quite credible. I believe them. They were somebody they knew. Now, of course, we know, all know that if the majority thinks something, that doesn't mean that it's right. Now, all of you people who are parents, you've probably said that to your kids over and over. But we do have a tendency still to believe what others around us believe. Our desire to belong plays out in another way. Uh, sometimes when a new idea comes and, and grabs our interest, we're drawn to others um, to, who also support that idea. Now, the phenomenon is obvious, obvious when it comes to online searches. We all know now there's documentaries to warn us of the dangers of how uh, you know, Google searches and YouTube searches will constantly show us things that building on what we've, our previous searches. But we do that offline as well. We tend to find or gravitate to people and to books and talks that uh, support what we want to hear, what's most comfortable for us. But Paul said that holding out to the truth is not always comfortable. It puts us, can put us in the minority. And for Paul, he experienced persecution. So that was not comfortable at all. So our adversary likes to appeal to our sense of belonging, but our adversary likes also to appeal to our human tendency 
to want some control in our lives and to provide it, provide for ourselves. We're particularly prone to this in our own culture. We were brought up to earn our own way and not to be dependent on others. We're told that if we work hard, you know, if you go the extra mile, we'll be rewarded, perhaps materially, but certainly with happiness. You know, marketing has tapped into this so that we're now even rewarded from just spending our money. But over the centuries, the church has also tried to add um, by the, to this, using this appealing belief, saying that we can earn our way to God. We can earn our position in Christ. And to convince us that if we do certain acts, life will go well. But the Bible makes it really clear that the only thing that counts is faith. We can't earn our way to God's favour through our own achievements. As Tim said, I've just retired from over 17 years of working in a theological college and I'm about to take up a role at the church. Now, you'd think that'd count, wouldn't you? You'd think that'd be good enough? Well, no, it's not. It's not enough and it's not, um, it's not going to win my position in Christ. It's not going to win, make me a Christian at all. The only thing that makes me a Christian is faith in what Christ has done. Faith in itself is not a human achievement. It's not something we have to muster up and something that we have to have enough of. Faith is the work of the Spirit in our lives, giving us surety of our right standing before God. That's another, I'm going to talk about another hint that this passage gives on how to stand firm in our faith in Christ. He urges the Galatians to really think through the implications of giving in to the Jewish law. Now, we're all prone to taking a plausible idea at face value and not thinking through the implications. Um, we expect others to think through the implications of decisions they make or actions they take, but we're not always so good at doing it ourselves. Recent example, our governments have been copped a lot of flack for seemingly not thinking through all the implications of lockdown rules. Um, we expected them to, but we don't always take the time to think through the implications of new decisions or ideas ourselves. Psychologists tell us quite convincingly that the human brain is actually wired to take the quick decision to not think things through quickly. They call it fast thinking. But what we, what we do and what the decisions we take have some plausibility. Um, they're not totally out of the realm of um, what could be happening or what's real and what's true. Our answer generally seems reasonable, but we do well to learn slow thinking, to really think through what we hear and what we read and what we, what's coming towards us. Now, on a Sunday morning, I'm very prone to either forgetting what the sermon was about or just accepting it on face value without thinking it through. So lately, I've been taking a bit more action to try to think through more slowly what I'm being told and what we're, we're, we're hearing on a Sunday. So I spend my week studying in, the, um, in my personal devotion time the same passage that we've been doing on a Sunday. And that's one way that I, I've been taking to think through and to think slowly through what we're learning. 
my life group also uses the sermon series, so I'm being accountable to the truth also through my, through my life group. And I found that really helpful. There's different ways of doing, of course, thinking through the ideas, the, the teaching that we're getting. But the point is, let's think through and, not, and think through the implications, particularly of something new that's coming our way. Yes, taking time to think through the t- truth takes time. It takes time out of our lives, but it's worth it. Anything of value is worth it. This brings me to the third point or the third idea of how we can stand firm in Christ. In this passage, Paul keeps coming back to Christ and to the truth. He keeps reminding us of what Christ has done. It's all about Christ and about none of our achievements, our personal achievements. If we think we need to do something to gain favour with God, our focus will be on ourselves whether we're good enough yet or whether our achievements are the right achievements. With our focus on ourselves, our focus cannot at the same time be on Christ. We do well to constantly remind ourselves and each other of the truth and of Christ. Our attention is constantly being drawn away to the next new idea. We're conditioned in our culture to be stimulated by new things. But it's a good idea. It's, we do well to just constantly remind ourselves of the basic foundations of the faith in Christ. Back in that dormitory that night, I went back to my room and I reminded myself that I was a Christian not because of the way I prayed or didn't pray. I was a Christian because of what Christ had done in my life or what Christ has done on the cross and through his resurrection actually had a very strengthening um, effect. I felt freer in Christ and deep gratitude to what God had done for me. Now, there are two groups in the Galatian church, and I just wanted to finish up by reminding us of the second group. The first group, obviously, were the Galatian Christians who were wrestling with this idea, should they go back under the Jewish law or not. But there were also the Jewish Christians who were perpetrating the idea that the the Galatians also had to become like Jews. The idea didn't come from outside the church. We need to be careful that we don't mislead others. Um, A few years ago, I was visiting a church that I frequently visit when I'm interstate. I was um, chatting with a woman after the service. We were having morning tea. You remember those days when we used to have morning tea? She was telling me about her life and her family. She had a couple of adult sons. As they were growing up, she didn't take them to Sunday school. But when they had grown up, she said to them, she advised them to check out all the different religions and find the one that had the rules they could live with. For her, Christianity had the rules she could live with. Now, that was a very good church. And I know they didn't preach that being a Christian meant following a bunch of rules. It was probably more likely what they didn't say and what they didn't constantly communicate. And she picked up um, that, well, it must be that I need to follow these rules. By constantly helping, we can help each other out by constantly reminding each other in church, um, in our life groups, in our families, just in our casual friendships of what Christ has done. And it's about faith in Christ that makes us right with God and brings us freedom. It's not 
what we do. Secondly, we need to remember that it's not our place to impose religious rules or standards on others. If we take our own identity from our certain Christian practices, like my friend who felt that you have to pray a certain way to be a Christian, then we're likely to want others to conform to our way of doing things. When I read the news the other day that there would be a Persian church um, using our facility, I thought that's fantastic. But I bet you, aside from the, the language difference, there's prob they probably do church quite differently. Their practices of, as a Christian are quite different from ours. Their expression of Christianity will be Persian in flavour. That's okay. That's great. Because what counts is faith in Christ, not how we do church and not how we express our Christianity. Faith that expresses itself in love comes from the Spirit. Grace demands a constant leaning into Christ and enabling by the Spirit that is within us. We can stand firm in our freedom of Christ by firstly recognising the tactics of our adversary and how they're meant to derail us. We can do it by thinking through the implications of all that we hear and read and come across to see whether it matches up with the truth. And we can constantly keep coming back to Christ and reminding each other of Christ. We know that it takes the work of the Spirit in our lives. Now, at this point, this is where I say, stay tuned, come back next week. The passage that Paul goes on to talk about is about the work of the Spirit and walking in the Spirit. So we'll hear more of that. But it is the work of the Spirit in our lives that brings us in faith to Christ. Let me finish off by praying for us all. Father God, we thank you for what you have done in Christ. We thank you for his death and resurrection and that that means we, are, we have one freedom in you. We are free from sin and free from the law. We thank you and praise you for that. Keep us firm in, your, in our faith. Keep us firm in our knowledge and understanding of Christ and your truth. Um, help us day by day to recognise when we're being uh, tempted to de um, into ideas and actions that would derail us from our faith. May your spirit enable us day by day. Amen. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to subscribe to this podcast, you can do so in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Just search for St. John's Diamond Creek.